Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, Every day ladies and gentlemen, back. Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Please, please, please. Thank you. Thank you. No, we were good. That was it. Oh, that was it? <laughs> that was it? You know, I've got a laugh track I can play, but I ought to get an applause track, too. Yeah. You know For what? <laughs> well, because I'm locked here at home. Mickey's no longer laughing at my jokes. <laughs> Rarely does she applaud for me as I come down the stairs. <laughs> now I get applause if I don't trip coming down the stairs. <laughs> and when you yeah. leave the room. Oh, yeah. It's it's not pretty. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Jerry. Uh, yeah. Megan. Hey, uh, this is a little bit of a downer, but I think this needs to be said. Uh, there yeah. is a guy. We're a national podcast. We have to say, and this guy I'm going to reference Jerry knows real well, and Megan knows. We all worked together on Springer on the radio a few years back, a two-year run of a national radio show. And so there's this guy. His name is Pat Barry. He has regional, great significance regionally in the greater Cincinnati area, stretching up to Springfield, Ohio, which is where he was from, started his radio career at age 16, worked some in Dayton, worked throughout Cincinnati, a uh, very skilled broadcaster, eventually became a weatherman through Jerry Springer, who was an anchor man on the same station. Sadly, Pat Berry, age 69, died Saturday uh, of COVID-19 and struggled for a month to stay alive and uh, lost, this, lost that fight. And, and sadly, COVID-19... A lot of people have had it and survived it. We all know people, and then some people haven't. I have uh, four people real fast I can think of in my life, including my aunt, a high school classmate, a former student of mine, I'm a career educator in the past, and Pat Barry, a co-worker and a friend. Uh, and so, like a lot of cases, he's on a ventilator, by the way, for weeks. And yeah. he, he thought he was... Surviving, you know, uh, said I'm be, I'll be going home, and then that disease, that virus, is working sometimes against your organs inside your body. Things you can't see. Your optimism uh, is false, and then it sh starts shutting stuff down, and he died. So, you know, for our listeners, this is a serious situation. <laughs> I know you already knew that. Damn, Jerry Pat Barry. Close friend of yeah. yours and uh, co-worker. Yeah, it, it, it really, you know, when you called me, because that's how I heard about it. Um, yeah, it, it, it stunned me. Um, and he, you know, yesterday, uh, President Biden, you know, commemorated in a pretty emotional ceremony that we have now hit the 500,000 mark, half a million Americans have died, died, not we got it, but died from uh, the coronavirus. And yeah. Pat was probably pretty close to that number 500,000. That's right, Jerry. And so it, the figure just kind of passes through us as a, you know, another news story. But then it mm -hmm. suddenly 
inevitably hits home. It's somebody you know. It's somebody you work with. And then it becomes just so personal. And so of all the things you think are going to happen in life, we didn't even know this existed a little over a year ago. And uh, it's cruel. I have great memories with Pat. We we worked together for 10 years on Channel 5 doing the news. He was the lovable weatherman. And then, as you said, uh, Gene, for... And Megan, for two years, he, uh, you know, helped produce our radio show. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, I remember how he got the job. I had just been promoted to the news anchor. And uh, Tony Sands, who was the weather guy for Channel 5 for 20 years, but he was. This is in old, Cincinnati. In I Cincinnati. Know. He was this old traditional straight, never told a joke in 20 years, just stood there and said what the weather was. And, but then along came nationally Willard Scott and Willard Scott all of a sudden changed the whole face of where the weather guy would be. In other words, he wasn't a meteorologist. He was just a big, huge, larger than life personality, you know, um, you know, an adult clown and, you know, you just loved watching him. And, and Pat Berry was a really pretty big radio star in Cincinnati on a, what, the Q102. Young People's Radio Station, Q102. Yep. And I had seen him, you know, when I'd go out in the evening after the news, he was always the MC at the various clubs. They had contests or whatever. He was the MC, just this big old, loud, lovable guy. And it just struck me, oh, my gosh. If we're looking for a weatherman, here's this big, larger-than-life person. So I went up to him after when he took a break, and we knew each other a little bit. But I said, I got this great idea. Why don't you come to Channel 5 and do our weather? He says, I don't know anything about weather. And I said, well, I don't know anything about news. And I do the news. (laughs) This is a great gig. (laughs) So literally, within that week, he went to the GM and set up a meeting with the GM, Tony Cairn. But anyway... And he got the job immediately. And, you know, he, he was a, a force of nature. And it's, it's just, it's sad. But the, the, the telling of the story on this podcast is just the point being of why we're raising it. It's not that, you know, most of the people listening to the podcast don't know the person. But it's just, it does strike home. It does strike mm-hmm. somebody you know. And it makes you even angrier and angrier that our government for months, refused to let the American people know how dangerous this was, how important masks were, how important social distancing is, all these things for political reasons, they wanted to look good and not tell us, and how many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of uh, people died just because we didn't take precautions and therefore other people got it. And they don't it's, even know who they got it from. It's it, it's a crime. I mean, of all the horrible things, you know, people might say about Donald Trump, this was far and away the worst. It was just incredible to spread a lie that, that don't worry, 15 people will get it and in a couple of days we'll be down to zero. He just missed by 500,000. And, and, you know, uh, there's two other real sad things about 
this case. And as you say, mo most people listening uh, know a lot of people like a Pat Bear. He was a celebrity in this region. Uh, or you know family members or friends, as I've said, I, I, I've had both. Yeah. Uh, two really sad things. He was within, he was 69. He was within weeks of getting shots. Mm -hmm. It could have saved his life. Wow. And, and, and I, think I didn't that realize that. Yeah. Literally within weeks. My aunt who died in a uh, care home died within a week of getting her first shot. The second thing that's just so sad, I just can't picture it, is that he had nobody with him except for the medical people who cared for him. Yeah. And they're freaking heroes. I don't know any. Yeah. I know the hospital. It's a place called Christ Hospital in Cincinnati. And he his only people with him for the month that he struggled with this in the last two weeks, maybe longer, two weeks for sure on a ventilator. Because I was getting daily, I was on a long list of people. He had lots of friends who were getting uh, text messages that were very uh, clinical. So somebody from the hospital was giving this info yeah. to somebody and then they were spreading yeah. it out. It was vital sign numbers and all this stuff. And the difficulty they were having getting him turned over because you got to be 20 hours on your stomach on a ventilator, but then four hours on your back. And he's a big dude and he's probably very uncomfortable, probably scared out of his mind and would fight them turning him over. And for mm -hmm. days they couldn't get him turned over. It's horrible. Yeah. And alone. Yeah. No family members with him. That's horrible. Yeah. So, uh, less anybody, I'm not preaching to people. Everybody knows this is Well, most people do. I still know some stupid ass people that, ah, oh, vaccine doesn't work and this whole thing's fake. Yeah. I don't need to wear a mask. F you, you people yeah. yep. doing that. Yeah. Preach, Gene. Yeah. Hey, anyway, yeah. Uh, in a minute, we're going to hear this is cool. We're going to hear uh, from a new band from Kentucky called Wolf Pen branch and we have four guys we're going to bring them on in a minute uh roddy puckett uh, aaron Bebelhauser, chris Schaus, and arthur hancock and uh, if i'm not mistaken there's some bluegrass guys and uh man, that's a great style of music and oh, sure they great know some history about that i did want to ask and jerry's going to be giving us thought of the week which is really the heart of this podcast before we ask him to do that uh jerry i know you're a huge celebrity. I don't know if you knew that. You are a major celebrity in America, yeah, well, I'm up to, Jerry. Yeah, I'm up to 195 now. Yeah. Right. yeah hey, Jerry's yeah. Got, got this show, Judge Jerry, and it's massive. And we count on its success for some reasons I don't want to go into. But anyway, uh, so we got Jerry's got this show, Judge Jerry. So he goes out and does these shows, Megan, and, and there's this new show. I think it's kind of new. I don't know. Life with uh, Lisa Ling. And it's, it's supposed to be a very cool show. I'm I love Lisa Ling. Yeah. So Jerry does a pre-interview, Megan. Listen to this. Because they do that. You know, that's how they, they roll. They do a pre-interview. Yeah. And, and Jerry's doing this pre-interview interview with probably one of the producers. And I would have loved to have met her because I myself am a producer, Meg, and I am the senior yeah. executive producer. <laughs> senior executive. Well, senior executive producer. Yeah. Anyway, so this producer's talking to Jerry, Megan, and she says, oh, yeah, we, we, yeah, listen to your podcast, because I assume they 
they would do that, you know, due diligence. And she said, you guys are amazing that you could have on your podcast, and I don't know anybody else has had him, had her, Melania Trump multiple times. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. No. He said to me, the guy, the producer said to me, how do you get her to call into your podcast? Shut the front and, door. <laughs> shut the front door. <laughs> now, let's, let's explain why that's absurd and also yeah. very funny to ask. Uh, Megan Hills. <laughs> that's our, all Megan. Our Megan Hills is a very skilled and trained actress in her undergraduate days. And uh, does a lot of impersonations, a lot of parodies. She's uh, amazing at it. So uh, back when Trump was in office on multiple occasions, we had asked Megan to do Melania. And and she would call in. The way we would do it is we would have Megan call David Proust, our technical producer's phone, and he would let it go to voicemail. And then she would do, just say a line or two, uh, Megan, as... Hello, Jerry. I'm very excited to be on this show again. <laughs> yeah, so, so she, would drop, she would drop these... Now, the best one, and David, maybe next episode, a couple episodes from now, when you got time, we'll pull, the, pull these up and sort of retell the story real fast. But when Donald Trump did, said this stuff about African nations being shithole countries. <laughs> Melania called into our show and said, these are not shithole countries. These <laughs> are not shithole countries. This <laughs> is now shithole countries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So oh, it's on a, a Megan. The it was supreme, fantastic. The supreme compliment to an impersonator is when they think you are that person. I mean, that's that's, that's freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Jerry, I don't want to put you on the spot. Oh yes, I you do. If I should ask this, I'm going to ask it because we're David. The mics are roll on, right? The, the tape on. is rolling. Jerry, <laughs> yes. I want to make sure you understood. You knew that that wasn't really Melania Trump, right? That that wait. She did call in. You're telling me that wasn't her? Wait, I'm missing this. We got bigger you. problems. <laughs> well, you guys kept telling me she was calling in, and I'm telling everybody, I'm, you know, man. Hey, Jerry. Me and Trump. Britney Spears didn't call in either. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And, no I and, can handle uh, Melania not calling in, but Britney? And Kellyanne oh. Conway, I think we had her on. Kellyanne Conway didn't call in. No, yeah. No, no Megan's, that Megan's was very you, talented. not Melania. That was me. Man. Hey, Jerry. Uh, what did I say to you? I'm sorry. I was only kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that stuff I was saying, you know. It's totally inappropriate. I, I can tell you that much. I don't care what she <laughs> yeah. was wearing. Come on. No, 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 Jerry. Those <laughs> days are over. That's that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Oh, hey, hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Weekly, you've been doing a thought of the week, and it used to always be about Trump. And maybe they still. Uh, this one might still be still something yeah. going on. What caught your attention this week? Uh, give us an analysis. We look forward. Well, to it was. 
after it was a couple of days ago, after the Senate voted on whether to convict the disgraced and former President Donald Trump, and by a 57 to 43 bipartisan vote, they did, though that wasn't by the required two thirds necessary to prohibit him from ever running for or serving in federal office again. I listened to the speeches that followed that vote. One particularly caught my attention because it was spot on. And, and, and I'll read a bit from it. I'm going to quote here. Donald Trump was undeniably guilty of a disgraceful dereliction of duty when he incited and then failed to do anything to halt a deadly assault on the Capitol. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. Whatever reaction he says he meant to produce by that afternoon, we know he was watching the same live television as the rest of us. A mob was assaulting the Capitol in his name. These criminals were carrying his banners, hanging his flags, and screaming their loyalty to him. He did not do his job. He did not take steps so that federal law could be faithfully executed and order restored. No, instead, according to public reports, he watched television happily, happily, as the chaos unfolded, unquote. And of course, everyone knows this to be true. If Trump hadn't created and spread and demanded Republican support for this lie, there never would have been a rally in Washington in the first place. His speeches, arm twisting, threats, and taped phone conversations are all testimony to that fact. No one denies that not even Lindsey Graham, who admits in his support of Trump that the truth doesn't matter, it's all about winning, and the Republicans need their base if they want to win. But the most reasonable thing about the speech I just read, and the most remarkable thing about that speech, is that it wasn't given by Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, or Jamie Reskin, the House impeachment manager. It was given by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. That's right, Mitch McConnell. Of course, it wasn't enough to make him vote for conviction because that would have jeopardized his Republican leadership position. And for him, there's no higher priority. But it was an attempt by McConnell to cleanse his soul, to a stroke of conscience that couldn't be suppressed. But other than articulating Trump's obvious guilt, the most damning part for Trump and his cult is when McConnell said, and I'll quote once more, President Trump is still liable for everything he did while in office. He didn't get away with anything yet. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation as well, unquote. As you can see, this was clearly an open invitation for Trump to be prosecuted criminally now for his crimes. So before Democrats start panicking because he wasn't convicted in the Senate, think of what Republicans now have to deal with. 75% of them, along with Lindsey Graham, want Trump to be the leader of their party. And yet an overwhelming majority of the American people want nothing to do with him. After all, he got wiped out three months ago when he had all the power of incumbency. So two years from now, and even four years from now, 
all that power of the presidency will be gone. A distant memory, except for all that video of the Capitol riot that every American was mesmerized by. The tape recording of Trump threatening the Georgia Secretary of State and this incredible speech by McConnell suggesting criminal indictments against the now private citizen Trump. All this plus his actual trials. How does any Republican candidate outside of the most extreme of districts run a successful campaign in these next few years if they have to explain why they didn't vote to convict Trump or why they supported the spreading of the big lie that gave birth to the attempted violent overthrow of our democracy? The Republican senators had an opportunity to cut loose this albatross around their neck, but for a lack of spines, they blew it. They instead are left with lame excuses. Well, he's no longer president. That's what in my culture we call chutzpah. Chutzpah is when a young man kills his parents and then asks for the mercy of the court because he's an orphan. This trial very well could have been held while Trump was still president. And the only reason it wasn't is because McConnell refused to schedule it. So how can he use that argument? Chutzpah. The other excuse for not voting for conviction in the Senate is that, yes, the president was using inflammatory language and creating and spreading lies, but he is, after all, entitled to the exercise of free speech. Yeah, but politicians, political leaders with po legal power, though they have free speech, and yes, they can say whatever they want, unlike regular folks, it's not just an opinion. It is cloaked in authority to which people are therefore likely to respond. Consequently, political leaders must know that they are free to say whatever they want, but they must be held accountable for the consequences of their free speech, for what their words incite. So you can see, with their power comes responsibility and accountability, and if warranted, even some jail time. Nice, Jerry. Good job, Jerry. Thank you. Well said. Well, thank you. And, oh, wait, that's Melania on the phone. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> hey, Melania. You're not Howard yeah. Stern. Put that down. Really? <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Tired of anyway, moving yeah, on. He's not such a big man We have anymore. a special guest with us tonight, <laughs> Wolfpen Branch. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hey, thanks for having us. So we've got Aaron, hey Arthur, Chris, and Ryan. Sure. So where are you guys calling us from tonight? We're uh, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, right now. Uh, the pair of us okay. are in Louisville. And uh, Rod and I are in Winchester, Kentucky. Winchester, and you guys like yourselves some bluegrass. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so what got you into the genre? Uh, for me personally, when I was when I was young, a lot of my family members uh, play bluegrass. And growing up in Eastern Kentucky, it was uh, there was a lot of bluegrass music there. I think it just kind of comes from the fact that many years ago, people entertained each other with banjos and fiddles and guitars, singing on front porches on Sunday evenings. So that's kind of how I got started playing in church and um, you know playing around campfires with family members and things. 
I kind of slid into it sideways. <clears throat> um, I saw the Grateful Dead when I was 17 and I'm dating myself in 92, whatever. I saw Jerry. And that's I see you too, Jerry. I see you, man. <laughs> the other Jerry. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, struck a chord with me literally, and uh, I started playing guitar, and uh, and that exposed me to uh, Dave Grisman and acoustic music and the olden way bluegrass music, and all my friends being from Kentucky, even though I wasn't brought up in it, uh, it was all around me, and it was easy and accessible and fun and. I, I took sort of a backwards approach too, kind of similar to Roddy's, but I, I didn't grow up playing music with, with my family. Uh, but I grew up playing piano and uh, taking piano lessons and ended up as a young adult wanting to uh, kind of explore singing and uh, played music with my twin brother. We used to sing kind of brother duet harmony vocals and stuff, kind of got immersed into it that way through other influences like the new grass revival and the Dillards and the Osborne brothers. So kind of another another second generation of bluegrassers but yeah so what brought you guys together you're relatively new as a group yeah we are we're all we're we're all from all over different parts of kentucky and uh coincidentally all of us and and there's one band member not here on the call today katie penn and she uh, including katie all of us all of us have kind of fronted our own bands for the past decade or so and uh this combination of just the 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 current trajectory of each of our own careers plus the pandemic offered us a lot of room to to collaborate while our bandmates were scattering and and doing their own things and uh, and that's how the band sort of came together actually arthur and and chris started playing as a duo and we all kind of were peppered in as like side men bandmates and uh eventually it all came together as a as a solid unit here in a, about a month ago yeah <laughs> So do you guys have any social media, anything yep. yet that we can yep. check out? Yeah, we're up on the interwebs. Uh, <laughs> we're, on the interwebs? We're pretty hip. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can find us Wolf Pen Branch or Wolf Pen Branch Music. And we've got a website and all of our tour dates and all those exciting things up there. Well, look at yeah, you. Yeah, we're big time. We even got pictures <laughs> made and uh, Aaron needed his sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one- <laughs> All right. So the first song we're going to hear tonight is Don't Have a Clue by Wolf Pen Branch. All right. One, two, three, four. <laughs>
telling you That was very cool. Yeah. All right, again, give us your uh, in- information so we can find you on the interwebs. Uh, we're on Facebook with Wolfpan Branch Music and then on Instagram with Wolfpan Branch. You can also email us at wolfpanbranchmusic at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Rep. Um, it's great talking to you. Hopefully, we'll get to have you back again. And we're going to have a special treat tonight, Casey Campbell and Jerry Springer singing down by the riverside that's a way to lose listeners <laughs> not my show talk to your executive senior producer <laughs> okay thanks guys thanks. Thank, thank you well i'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside.